Hey, what's up? Thanks for tuning in. This episode, we're going to do a little bit of a Manhattan market recap for quarter four, 2020. It's just the highlights. It's not super uh, in-depth in terms of neighborhoods, but we go over some stats and a couple predictions and changes. Hope you enjoy. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I want to talk about our Manhattan 2019 fourth quarter real estate report. It's going to be a quick little one today because I have a few things to do. It's a long report. And as you know, a lot of these real estate reports, we have a very large city, different price points, different types of homes, different sizes, different layouts, so in different neighborhoods. So there's always sub-markets to each report, but overall, I just want to talk about a couple trends that we saw for Q4 in Manhattan, and it seems to be that we have some good news or some stabilizing in the market. If you've been following my, if you've been following my videos or you just read online, the last year, year and a half in Manhattan has been a little bit slow. There's been some serious declines in pricing in Manhattan. Um, that's always, always, all, also always relative because the market isn't perfect. Sellers, a lot of people are sellers to, that are, they have personal affiliations with their products. It's a little very different from like, say the stock market where you can be liquid very quickly. Information changes, you can change your position. Homes, you can't really do that. You live there you own it. It's a process to switch it out. And a big thing is new development. New development kind of skews a lot of stats. But let's just go over a couple uh, key findings that we had for this new year and also a new decade. So as we enter the decade, it's important to reflect on the 2010s. This is kind of, we're making a comparison. This is a, a, a report issued by Compass, many other these real estate brokers have similar uh, reports. They gather the same data from, uh, you know, Acris and uh, I think it was uh, Samuel Miller, I think, a milk chap. He does this, another report. But basically, there's a comparison is between 2009, 10, 11, um, talking about inventory levels, saying that, you know, post-housing crunch, it took about two, three years for things to, two years, three years to settle until around 2013, and then there was a big development boom where they hit the market, and uh, the economy was in a stronger place. Uh, if you remember, maybe, I think it was last year, around this time, maybe uh, August, there was definitely a little bit of uh, uncertainty in the market going into election cycle, new year, um, new president, and uh, this kind of made the uh, market uh, and buyers a little bit standoffish. Also with the uh, price run-up we had uh, from the 2013, 14, 15, 16. And um, so the the consensus is, you know, if you want to take year over year, home prices are kind of stayed where they are. They're a little, they're, they're, they're down, but not significantly. But from the third quarter to the fourth quarter of 2019, we've seen people come off the sideline. Interest rates are low. Buyers have kind of, buyers' worries have kind of 
subsided given the strength of the stock market, the fact that we have a lot of uncertain uh, news globally that's kind of settled a little bit. There's some positive China trade talks, USMCA, and the importance of keeping the stock market strong for this administration. Many saw this evidence as an impact. So basically, there's talking about is there was a little bit of a people think that there was going to be a downturn 2018 when we saw a little bit of a lag in the real estate market. Things have kind of stayed flat, uh, and especially in uh, lower price points, things are quite hot. But you know, the the upper echelon of three million plus, which is considered luxury, had a big downturn and had a big impact on prices. But uh, the data kind of paints a different picture. Even at the lowest point this year, prices stayed nearly 15% higher than they did 10 years ago. This quarter, sales are up 1%. 1%. 1%. That's good, though. And inventory has dropped. That's also a sign that there's enough demand to pick up the apartments on the market. And mortgage rates are steady. They actually just declined just a slight bit last week. While the future still holds economic uncertainty from trade and tax alliances and more of it appears that the real estate market in Manhattan is stabilizing. And I think that Manhattan is a very good indicator of global global factors because a lot of international people with cash or money, they like to put their money in Manhattan real estate. It's basically an international city. I kind of consider it like the capital of the world, of the global world. And... It's, it's better, people just find it as a better real estate investment than other cities internationally. Buyers are wielding their finances confidently again and moving forward, all by cautiously. The increased average sales price and time at, on market has supported this. So 2019, it was what we really saw was more time on market and all price points and decreases in higher price points million and below has seen still seen a lot of strength in the market and investment and market strength has brought more buyers to the table and it's allowed them to stretch their purchasing prices and if you read a couple articles a lot of people are talking about trading up you know if you if you bought your place for um, an acceptable return that and you've you've lived there, you've got your use out of it, it's actually a pretty good time to trade up because if you're moving from like the one to two million dollar price point and you want and you're able to go into the three four, you're getting a lot more value. So the prices have come down, but the uh, the size of the apartments in these price points have gone up. So we kind of anticipate seeing and a lot of people are saying this too, we kind of anticipate to see like a mild growth for 2020 versus uh, a decline, which we saw around Manhattan. But the the transition is is really from to to talk about is from Q3 to Q4 because let's be honest, a lot of things happen in a year. Average sales price in Manhattan for two thousand for the fourth quarter of two thousand nineteen one point eight six two. The median sales price nine 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 k just a smidge under a million. 
Average price per square foot is 1,333. Seems pretty lucky. Average days on market, 168. This is up significantly from last year. Share of inventory above 3 million, 30%. Properties that took more than 180 days to enter contract, 38%, up significantly. Average discount, 10%. That means from list price to contract price. Keep that in mind if you're in a buyer. If you're a buyer, this is the this is the the stat that you like to hear. And then share of closings over three million, twelve percent. That has dropped. Uh, although we've saw some of the biggest uh, purchases actually happen at the end of Q4. Notably, I think it was you know, the the T-Mobile guy. The CEO, he's kind of that quirky T-Mobile guy who wears all those outfits. Sold his, I think, he sold his West Village penthouse for like nine, nine or twelve million. Recorded sales by unit type: there were two thousand six hundred seventy-six recorded sales to date in Q4 2019, a one percent increase compared to this time last year, despite an increased average time on market. So, so, so things are moving, but it's just taking a little bit longer. One-bedroom units made up 40% of all transactions and took longer to 20% to sell than in, court, than in the fourth quarter last year. So like I'm saying, slight increase, just it's taking more time. So you got to stick in there. There was also an article I saw the other day in Curb just talking about how the expectations of sellers have been, you know, in the past it was one, two months, and now it's really taken six months to sell something, seven, eight for, for larger, more expensive units. Two bedrooms made made up 30% of the, the market, but were 20% lower to sell despite being larger and less expensive. Units with four or more bedrooms were the only category to see a slight decrease on the average days on market. Condo sales were mixed. Three bedrooms and four bedroom units were 15% and 4% of transactions and saw significant changes in affordability, both declining 20% or more in average of price per square foot. One and two bedroom units also saw reduced prices, though less extreme. So like we were just talking about before, I also uh, the larger units, higher price points, higher price per square foot are seeing the most decreases in value. Um, there are still lots of high-end inventory uh trading hands but we have kind of seen like people who are looking at maybe larger manhattan co-ops that have very large um carrying costs maybe moving to brooklyn or jersey and buying a hat not maybe not jersey but brooklyn where they could buy a townhouse with significantly less uh, like a new townhouse with significantly less carrying costs in terms of taxes and maintenance studios were on the only unit type to see growth in all metrics increasing Interestingly, studios were slightly less affordable than one-bedrooms, though prices in the category have been rising steadily since 2010. So this is also, like, we, I've said this probably like a broken record here, uh, the market is divided into areas, types, price points. I find price points kind of the most important thing because your affordability, you can bop around to areas and you can kind of change what you're looking for, but you are kind of limited on your price. That's just a fact. It's a fact of life. So... Like we're seeing all over the the country, um, the 2010 to 2019, there's just been, especially in New York, there's been a challenge for uh, younger millennials who typically in those age groups who bought homes are delaying buying homes. 
And that it, that group has been in the job market for about a decade, um, over a decade now, uh, in a very good job market. So we're seeing a lot of millennials come off the sidelines to be, to buy houses, and obviously they're going to start out with lower price houses. And in New York, that's you know if you can get something for five hundred and under, a studio in Manhattan, a little one bedroom in in Brooklyn or Queens, that is a considered an entry level price point. Co-ops. So co-ops make up about 70% of the uh, sales market in, in uh, the city. Uh, so co-ops are more affordable in all categories except for studios. Okay, interesting. As for, for condos, the average price per square foot of co-op studios has grown noticeably. And I, I just think, like we were saying before, I just think that has to do with the price point, where they're, where they're from, where they're going, and just demand on the market. And especially with the young... I also think... Uh, there's also uh, baby boomers who have had these homes for quite a while, maybe sold their homes to Gen Gen uh, Xers or I don't know what's the in betweener, but I think it's Gen X um, who might be who might be downgrading and they have a they have more purchasing power, experiencing buying homes, so they want to downgrade from a three four bedroom into a one bedroom, or they're from New Jersey and they or another city and they're coming coming to New York and they're downgrading, so. You have two groups that are kind of pinching this lower price point, and everybody, you know, the 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 price on everything is the number one factor. You know, they say is uh, when they're going on a date, they don't fall in love with first sight of your personality, and so I say like your looks is like the price. One and two bedroom co-ops were forty two percent and twenty nine percent of the market, and both saw a six percent decline in average price per square foot. The three-bedroom and four-bedroom price groups saw the price distribution changes. Three-bedroom prices fell in the lower half of the market and increased in the upper half of the market, while four-bedrooms only experienced the former. So that's a general overview of the market. We're not going to go too in-depth. we got a couple more stats I wanted to go over, and then I will post a link to the full report in the YouTube video or my Instagram profile or on Facebook or all of them. We'll see how I'm feeling.